This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Wow. I'm ready for Christmas. How about you? That was awesome. Let's hear it for Spike and the band. What a great morning. Christmas is an amazing time. Every pastor I talk to says there are two days that are the hardest for them in the year. Christmas and Easter. Got any idea why? What are you going to say about those two things that hasn't already been said? A bazillion times, right? Um, Sometimes I feel like that, but not this morning. I am so excited to be able to share with you something that I think will... Have you ever seen something and then someone turns on the light and it now you see it totally differently, right? My prayer is that through what is said and done today, that God will shine a new light on Christmas for us. And that we will see it more fully than we ever have before. Are you up for that? Yeah. All right. I want to say a welcome to those of you who are online. Um, you are an important part of our audience. More importantly, you're a, an important part of God's audience. So welcome for those of you who are brand new. Welcome. My name is Ron. I don't usually wear stuff like this, <laughs> just in case you're wondering, Okay. Uh, This is Ugly Christmas Sweater Day in our next-gen department. And I told them that I would wear the ugliest sweater I could find to stand in solidarity with them. So here I am in the ugliest thing I could find. And if you you don't like it, you can blame my wife. She actually found it for me. So there you go. Now, (laughs) yeah, well done, right? She doesn't do anything halfway. All right. I want to say something else. What makes this church great is the whole core of volunteers who work in our church. I want us to give it up for the more than 100 people who volunteer regularly in our church. Some of the the people that work in NextGen are some of the most dedicated people, and uh, they didn't get to hear all this that you got to hear this morning. They're back there working with kids and helping our children build a foundation of faith. They are some of the most selfless people in our church. So uh, when you see somebody who works in NextGen, just thank them today. And when you see someone wearing an ugly Christmas sweater, ask them if they work in Next Gen. If they do, be nice and kind to them. And if they don't, say, thank you very much for standing with our Next Gen people. But don't ask them if it's an ugly Christmas sweater because they might not think it's ugly. You got that? (laughs) That's a mistake you don't want to make, all right? That's such a wonderful Christmas sweater you have on. Are you wearing that for Next Gen? All right. Yeah, everybody clear about that, all right? We don't want to accidentally offend somebody. I want to say this before I get into the teaching. 
Oftentimes, when I teach, I will give what would be considered an orthodox teaching where here's the premise and here are the points and here are the reasons why. And here's the, here's the, the testimony of scripture that stands behind it and why we believe that. This morning, I'm not going to give so much of a formalized teaching as I'm going to tell a story. And it is the biggest and the grandest story in all eternity. The stakes are as high as they can possibly get. The story is as epic as it could possibly be. And in the telling of that story, my hope and my prayer is that you and I will come to see how the events of Christmas became central to that story. So let's start with a question. In this teaching series, we have, we have called it Christmas. It's more than just a nice story. And the first teaching we had is because it actually happened. And we went back and we dug into the historicity of Jesus. And, and we found out that this Jesus of Nazareth is an actual historical figure uh, referenced multiple times by Jewish historians and Roman historians and countless times by Christian historians. There's not a chance in the world that he could be a fable or a legend. It's an actual historical figure. Teaching number two, we looked at how Jesus changed the entire world. And by the way, if you missed either of those teachings, you can go to our website, you can pull them up, and I would suggest that you look at them because they're really helpful when it comes to understanding what our Christian faith rests on. Today, we're going to tackle this subject. How did Christmas change eternity? This biggest of all dimensions of our world. And we start with this question, why would God come to earth to live and die as a human being? Now think with me for a minute. Put yourself in God's shoes. You live in heaven. You, my friend, have it made. You talk about television shows of the rich and famous and, and, and the whole, here, let me bring you into my crib thing. Uh, <laughs> check out God's crib. <laughs> this is awesome. Why would you ever leave that? <clears throat> Why would you come to live on earth? Fortunately, you and I don't have to wonder about that because God actually told us why. Jesus said it very plainly one day. He said, I have come that people may have life. Now, if you come to church all the time, you realize there's more to that sentence. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And we often think more about having it to the full than just having life. In other words, you could have your best life on this earth if you follow Jesus. And I believe that with all my heart. But there's something that's clear underneath that. Jesus didn't come just so you and I could live it up on this earth. 
He said, I have come that you might have life, which indicates our life was in danger. So how was our life in danger? This is where I want to go all the way back to before the world was created. And let's pick up the story of eternity. And in our story of eternity, there are two central players, God and Satan. Okay? And they are going to do move and counter move and move and counter move. And we're going to watch this drama unfold. And it is the story of eternity. But let's go back to where this sort of drama between God and Satan began. And you'll see it on the screen. John writes in the book of Revelation, now listen, war broke out in heaven. Just, just pause right there. Does that shake you up? When you think of heaven, do you think of war? Not me. And when war breaks out in heaven, it's epic. Okay? You may have thought Star Wars was amazing. It's got nothing on that war. Okay? War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. Now, before we go on, I, I, I didn't pull together all the references uh, throughout Scripture, but there's very clear indication that at some point prior to this, Satan led a rebellion in heaven and apparently was able to convince a third of the angels to join with him to try to dethrone God from heaven and all that he reigns over. That's an epic rebellion, isn't it? Because by this time, Satan already has a whole legion of angels. You can see that, right? They're already with him and they're in this war. But the good news is Satan was not strong enough and so Satan and his angels lost their place in heaven. Can you say, thank God? thank God? Yeah. This is big news. And it goes on to say this. The great dragon was hurled down. Now, just in case you and I don't know what the, who the great dragon is, John identifies him, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. Does that clear that up? We know exactly who that is. Now, look at this next part. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Now, listen, there's a lot about this story I don't know and can't explain. It sure seemed to me that if I was God, I could hurl him some other place. <laughs> I don't know that part of the story, okay? I can't explain that part of the story. But I do know this. Satan ended up on this earth. That's good news for heaven. <laughs> Not so good news for us. You know what that means? I want to say it in simple terms. You and I are roommates with Satan. By the way, if you're looking to rent an apartment and Satan applies and wants to be your, your roomie, can I just suggest that's not a good idea? That's not going to turn out well. The unfortunate part is you and I didn't have a vote in this, correct? No. So Satan is here on this earth. 
You know what? Jesus said, you know what? That's actually true. Jesus himself. Look what Jesus said. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. This is not some fantastical sort of made-up plot for a movie. This is the story of eternity. And Satan is cast out of heaven, expelled from heaven. He ends up on earth. Does that mean it's over for Satan? Oh, no, he's not done. Satan does what I know you've seen in movie plots and probably seen in newscasts in real life. When an evil person cannot defeat a good person, how many times have you seen them say, I'll go after their kids then? Take a look. Satan's idea, if I can't defeat God, I'll get to him by going after his kids. Friends, that's epic for you and me. It means, you know who Gary Larson is? He was the, the far side, the creator of the far side, one of my favorite people. He had a cartoon, and it went like this, how birds see people. Do you remember that cartoon? And it shows a bird up there flying around, looking down at all the people, and every single person has a target right on their head. <laughs> Got it? He had another cartoon of a deer out in the forest, and two deers, and one of them had a target on his chest, and the other one said, bummer of a birthmark, Hal. <laughs> okay, Gary was a little twisted, I get it, but... You and I need to see that from a Satan standpoint, you and I have a target on our head and a target on our chest. Because here was Satan's move. I will kidnap God's children and hold them in bondage through sin. Why? Because sin would prevent his children from being with him. Because sin would ruin and destroy the world that God created. And because eventually sin would, would cause all of God's children to die and be eternally separated from him. Have you ever wondered where all the brokenness comes in our world? Now you have the answer. And how it must break God's heart when something tough happens and we go, why would God do this to me? And God wants to go, don't blame me for that. That's the work of Satan. So that's Satan's move. God has a move. Take a look at God's move. Like any good father would do, God said, I'll go where my kidnapped kids are and I will do whatever it takes to rescue them. Wouldn't any good father do that? Yeah. So God looks at the earth, and we've all been held in bondage through sin by Satan, and you wonder why did God come to earth? Now you know. God said, 
I'm going where my kids are. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to set them free, even if it costs me my own life. And that, my friends, is why Christmas is a big deal. It means God showed up. Remember when you were a kid, were you ever bullied on the playground? I was. I can remember one time being put on a merry-go-round and a bunch of high school kids, I was like in the third grade, and they were spinning that merry-go-round faster and faster and faster, and they were laughing at me as I was just trying to hold on, and I was crying my eyes out, and I was scared beyond belief. And then my dad showed up. (laughs) Yeah. You got it? You ever wonder why Christmas? God showed up to put things in order. Here's what this means for you and me. The battlefield has now switched from heaven to earth. In heaven, it's already been decided. That battle was lost. Satan was expelled. But earth is now the new battlefield where God and Satan are doing battle. And here was Satan's belief. Take a look at this. His belief was, oh, God has made himself vulnerable by taking on the form of a human being. How about that? I have successfully seduced every human who has ever lived. God is now on my turf. I have the advantage, and I can now win this battle. Satan, when God came to earth in the form of a baby, Satan said, God just made a fatal mistake. I can do him in. God had something so totally different in mind. Take a look. God said, I will go to earth as a human being. I will face Satan head on. I will do battle against him and I will defeat him once and for all time. I'll go meet him on his turf. Friends, this is why Christmas is huge. It's not just the story of a cute little baby who someday would grow up and do miracles. I love that part of the story. It's all true. But the story, the real story of Christmas is God showing up and saying, I'm here to take care of business. I'm going to do battle with Satan head on. So now that left an interesting question for God. How is he going to come to earth? And while I can't claim to read God's mind, I have to think that he weighed out a few options. One is he could fire up the fiery chariots and the angels and he could show up on earth with a show of force that would send Satan running. And there are days when I wish God would have done that, right? Don't you? Yeah. But God knew if I show up with the shock and awe and I blow Satan out of the water, I will have removed from my people their own free will because I will have overpowered them to the point 
that they wouldn't dare do anything but worship me. But I don't want to be worshipped by people who are so afraid that they feel like they have no choice. There is this beautiful thing called faith that people can choose. So, I'm going to go to earth as a baby. I'm going to show up in a really obscure town that no one has paid any attention to, nor did they, prior to Jesus being born. If you had showed up before Jesus was born and you had said to people, hey, you know where Bethlehem is? They go, Bethlehem? Never heard of that place. It wasn't until Jesus was born there that it became anything really. I will show up in this obscure village. And oh, by the way, I will time my birth so that I show up in Bethlehem where there's literally no room for my earthly parents and the only place they can find is a stall in a stable and I will be born in a barn. Did your parents ever ask you, hey, were you born in a barn? <laughs> my parents did. Okay. I knew better than to say, it's not so bad, Jesus was. That might not have flown really well. But that is true. He was born in a barn. The most inauspicious beginning of God coming to earth. And so God's move was this. The divine conception and birth of Jesus through Mary. Now, this doesn't go unnoticed by Satan. Joseph, who is not actually Jesus' father, but stepfather, has no idea that Jesus is actually God in human flesh. Mary, even though she's been told, doesn't really comprehend. Hits the song that they talked about this morning. Mary, did you know when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. Mary didn't know. The shepherds didn't know. The wise men didn't know. But Satan did. So Satan's move is this. God's taking on the form of a human body. Humans are all subject to death. I'll kill him and take him out. And here it is. Satan's move was, okay, I'll work through King Herod the Great and I will kill all the male children two years old and younger in and around Bethlehem. I'll do this sweep of the whole area and I'll kill all the male babies and, and God will go out with the garbage. Lee Corso on Sports Center has one of my favorite phrases. Not so fast, my friend. I think that's what God would say. Not so fast. Take a look. God has a move. And God's move is this. I'm going to warn Joseph and Mary in a dream to take the baby Jesus and go to Egypt where Herod the Great can't get to them. And sure enough, they get up in the middle of the night, they travel to Egypt, and they stay in Egypt until King Herod the Great dies. 
And eventually they move back and decide not to settle in Judea because Herod's crazy son was now ruling there. And they go up to Galilee to the town of Nazareth. And that's where they live. And Joseph, uh, Jesus' stepfather, is a carpenter. And we assume that Jesus learned the carpentry business from his stepfather. And there's sort of a lull in the story where there doesn't seem to be much conflict between between God and Satan until the day that Jesus chooses to be baptized. I want to put in a shameless little plug right here. Okay? The baptism of Jesus was an awesome thing. Okay? For many reasons. And if you come back on January the 8th, I'm going to be doing a whole teaching on communion and baptism and their place in our lives, okay? Because on January the 22nd, we're doing a baptism service at New Life. And my prayer is that many of us will actually choose to join Jesus in in that baptism. The baptism of Jesus was a huge deal, and the voice of God came out of the heavens. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Satan didn't miss that. And the very next thing is that Satan takes Jesus into the wilderness to try to tempt him to sin. That was Satan's next move. If I can't kill God, I will get him to sin and therefore give up his deity because God doesn't sin. But God's now a human being. Hmm. So he took Jesus into the wilderness and he tempted him. And one of the ways that he tempted him was he said, look, he took him to a high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, look, this is all my territory. You're on my turf now. It all belongs to me. And if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll make you ruler over it all. To the power hungry Satan That was a huge temptation. But what Satan does not know is not only does God not sin, as we would learn later in the Bible, God can't even be tempted with sin. You know what that means in practical terms for you and me right now? God can smell chocolate and it doesn't even tempt him. That's how you know he's not human, right? Yeah. God can't even be tempted with sin. Now what Satan is trying to get Jesus to do, and Jesus knows that eventually all those kingdoms will be his, but in order for all those kingdoms eventually to be his, He has to suffer, and he has to be brutally flogged within an inch of his life, and he has to die a cruel death on a cross. And what Satan is offering him is the shortcut. You can rule all this without any of that. What's God's move? Here it is. He successfully resisted Every temptation that Satan offered 
Well, now freshly defeated, Satan is like, I got to have a plan B here. So the plan B here is Satan's new strategy. Since God is the author and source of life, I will try to kill him as an adult. If I do, then death wins. If you kill the author of life, death wins. And God dies. And all God's children die. And I am left to rule it all. Is that pretty audacious? Yeah, it is. That was his strategy. So you know what? Here's his move. Eight different times we have recorded in the Bible that Satan, through various people, tried to kill Jesus during his ministry. Eight different times. Wow. What's God's move? Here it is. God enabled Jesus to miraculously be protected and or delivered. One day, a whole bunch of people who were so mad at him because he claimed to be the son of God. Oh, hello. That's who he was. They got so mad at him, they took him to, the, to a cliff that their town was built on. And they said, ready? One, two, three, shove. And they got ready to shove. And the Bible says he passed through their midst. I don't even know what that looked like. I don't know if they couldn't shove and he just walked through and they were all paralyzed. I don't know if he disappeared in a poof and they got ready to shove and there's nobody to shove. I don't know what that looked like. But I know he was miraculously delivered. I know another time the crowd was so angry at them, at him, because he was saying to them, You need to understand what I'm saying. I'm telling you the truth. And they didn't want to believe him. They picked up stones to stone him. And again, the Bible says he passed through their midst. I don't know what happened. But he was miraculously delivered. And in every one of these eight things, times, the Bible says Jesus' hour or his time had not yet come. God had a plan. And so God's, Satan's move, I'll kill him. God's strategy, I won't let you kill him. Wow. God had a further strategy. He wasn't just there to do battle with Satan. God was there to help build our faith. And so, the ministry of Jesus is built around demonstrating God's power over everything on this earth, even including the demons of Satan, which is why he continually cast out demons. But it's also why he stilled a storm. Every form of brokenness in our world you can imagine, God demonstrated his power over. It was never God's design that the world would be ravaged by storms that injure and kill people. That's part of the brokenness of our world. It was never part of God's original plan that people would get sick and suffer and die. That's why Jesus demonstrated his power over every sickness you can imagine. It was never God's plan that people would be marginalized 
and shoved to the margins of society and treated as unimportant, which is why Jesus continually worked with the marginalized and drew them right into the core of life. He was demonstrating his power over marginalization. It was never God's intent that people would be enslaved, which is why God, Jesus continually brought people into places of freedom. It was never God's intent that people would become deceitful and ornery and mean and lie and cheat and defraud each other, which is why Jesus continually called sinners to repentance. And even the most notorious sinners in the nation of Israel ended up becoming saints. Wonderful people. All the way through Jesus' life, he kept demonstrating his power over every form of sickness. You can see it on the screen. This is God's move. God's move is I'll perform miracles like turning water into wine, walking on water and stilling the storms and healing every kind of sickness and even casting out demons. Now, just between you and me, if you stop the story at this point, things are not looking good for Satan. Can you figure that out? He's losing it. He lost in heaven. He lost trying to kill Jesus as a baby. He lost trying to get Jesus to be tempted to sin. He's tried to kill Jesus eight different times. Jesus has actually escaped every single one of those eight times. And furthermore, Jesus is going around demonstrating the God's ability to, to rule over every form of brokenness in our world, including Satan's demons. Any football fans in the house? You don't want to admit that at church? Any football fans in the house? Do you know what a Hail Mary is? Yes, you do. It's the last gap pass at the end of the game to try to win on a fluke. Okay? This is even harder to admit. Any poker players in the house? We have a few. Do you know what all in means? You push all your chips to the center of the table and you're either going to win or you're going to lose. Satan has a Hail Mary or an all-in move. And by the end of Jesus' ministry, Satan is down to his last gap, gasp. So here is his Hail Mary. Take a look. I will get the Jewish religious leaders and the Roman authorities to conspire together against Jesus. Now stop right there. In Jesus' world of Israel, the Jewish religious leaders were the most powerful people in the nation. And the Roman Empire was, was the most powerful organization in the world. So Satan thinks if I can get the most powerful religious leaders to, to comport with the most powerful political leaders in the world, and I can get them all to conspire against Jesus and take him out. That's my Hail Mary. And it's even sweeter if somehow I could make this all happen through a close friend of Jesus. Oh. That's the plan. So here's Satan's move. He convinces Judas to betray Jesus 
And Judas does so in the Garden of Gethsemane. What's God's next move? Take a look. No response. Hmm. Okay. Satan has another move. Jesus is arrested in the garden. Now, every time before, when they went to push him over a cliff, when they got everything, you know, what happened? Jesus disappeared out of their midst. But Jesus is arrested. Let's see how God responds this time. What's God's move? No response. Wow. Satan has another move. He takes Jesus through four different pseudo trials where Jesus is convicted on false charges and sentenced to die by crucifixion. What's God's move? No response. Hmm. Satan has another move. Jesus is brutally and severely beaten and then nailed to a cross. What's God's move? No response. Satan has another move. Jesus dies. What's God's move? No response. Satan has another move. The dead body of Jesus is buried where it is left to decay and compose and decompose. What's God's move? No response. When your children were little, okay, and they were in the house with you, did you ever say to yourself, it's too quiet in that room? <laughs> yes, you did, right? And when you went in, you found out it wasn't as quiet as you thought because there was fingernail polish all over the couch or some other crazy thing, right? You know why? All these moves by Satan and no counter moves by God, he should have figured out it's too quiet up there. I think God's up to something. Wow. So Satan's next move is this. It's a victory celebration in hell. We won. We won. We killed the author of life. Not just today. Not yesterday. But three days ago, we killed the author of life. Does God have a move? <laughs> Does he have a move? Here it is. Three days later, he raises Jesus from the dead and crowns him as the king of heaven and earth. You know the hallelujah chorus? I'm thinking maybe there were sounds like that in heaven right about then, right? Yeah, it was awesome. In this story of eternity, here's how it ends. Satan is forever banished to hell. God and his children live. What's that story? What's that phrase? Happily ever after. You thought Aesop invented that, right? No, God and his children live happily ever after in the new heavens and earth.
that he makes for them. Because this, my friends, was God's plan all along. Here it is. He would come to earth as Jesus in a human body. He would give his life and die to pay the penalty for our, for his children's sins. And then he would raise himself from death to demonstrate his power over his last enemy, which is what? Death. So this Christmas, when you are remembering the birth of Jesus, I want you to celebrate all the cutesy stuff. But I want us to remember, Christmas was the day that God showed up to take care of business. Aren't you glad he did? That, my friends, is the story of eternity. I'm going to lead us in prayer. But I want to give an invitation before I do. I never know how anything that we teach here, I never know how it's going to land on people's hearts. Maybe some of you are in a place of discouragement and depression and you wonder, does God really care? Seems like he's abandoned to me. I want you to know through the Christmas story that God has not abandoned you. He has actually showed up for you. Some of us may not even be followers of Jesus. That's okay. Through the Christmas story this morning, I want you to know that Jesus gives you the invitation that he gave to people consistently throughout his life. Come and follow me. Take my yoke upon me, on you, and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in spirit. And you, my friend, will find rest for your soul. Some of us may be in a place where we have wandered from God. We're not doing terrible things, but we know in our heart of hearts we're not really walking with him either. Maybe this morning through the Christmas story, you can hear the invitation of Jesus to come back and really walk with me. I'm going to pray. Wherever you are, you make your choice. God, we are so grateful that when Satan came after us as your kids, that you didn't stay in heaven or dispatch some angels, but you said, no, this is so important. I'm going to go myself, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to rescue my kids, even if it costs me my life, and it did. But in that setting, you demonstrated your ultimate power to rise over and above everything and to lovingly and graciously rule and direct and protect all of us. From wherever we are and whatever brokenness we're dealing with in our life, would you receive us this morning as your kids? And I pray it in Jesus' name.
Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.